Welcome to the Common Ground Initiative. I'm Anthony Payton, and I hope to highlight the diversity of our communities with stories of people the average Granite Stater might not get to see or meet. The goal is to clarify misconceptions and find the thread that binds us all together as one New Hampshire community. Take a stroll around Manchester, and you'll likely pass some beautiful Hispanic restaurants and shops. Once those smells and flavors pass my nose, my mouth waters instantaneously. I see hardworking people, and whether American-born or newly arrived, they're strong in their cultures, music, foods, and dance. This adds to the diversity of New Hampshire, and I think it should be a welcomed addition. Sometimes, American citizens forget that somewhere in their history, their ancestors had a similar story of coming to America and carving out a path for themselves. While New Hampshire is still a predominantly white state, we are becoming more diverse like the rest of the country. As these communities grow, they need to have a representation and stories in both media and popular culture pertinent to them, their narrative, and their voice. This representation needs to run the entire spectrum of news and entertainment, from newsrooms to beat reporters there should be a pathway for them to have a seat at the decision-making table. Their representation will likely show us stories about those local residents contributing to their communities, as opposed to the countless stories of illegal immigration. Of course, good-hearted and talented journalists and storytellers from different ethnic and racial groups are looking to chronicle those neighborhoods. Still, in my opinion, it should be done with the influences and voices of those communities. It should be a combined effort with the community and journalists. Having that story reported on by community members will help ensure that their story is told in the best way. Having their communities portrayed accurately is what should be sought. Leaving those portrayals and narratives solely to those who aren't in those communities can create offensive stereotypes. They need to have a say in their narrative and be able to define who they are to the rest of the world. Ernesto Burden is the vice president at Yankee Publishing, Inc., publisher of 603 Diversity, New Hampshire Business Review, New Hampshire Magazine, and New Hampshire Home. He said that diversity in all kinds of media on the storyteller side is critical to providing comprehensive, insightful, and empathetic coverage of communities. And at the same time, diversity represented in those stories is also crucial to feelings of inclusion the understanding of a shared identity, to a sense of belonging in a place. As a Black American, I recognize this need and relate to it all too well. I remember, as a child, the news portrayed Black people in the most negative light. As a teenager, I watched riots where Black people were all lumped into a group and painted as looters by the media coverage. In similar situations, the media would take pictures and footage of white people and label them as protesters. Those labels had a long-lasting impact. It gave the impression that every black person was at those events to capitalize on the moment. It didn't tell the story of groups of people who were fed up and felt hopeless. It made people forget that protesting and emotions don't come with a handbook. That brush of inequality was constantly dipped in the pain of fear and the inability to relate. The power of stereotypes and slanted coverage can be massive. And as the saying goes, Perception is bigger than reality. Those portrayals pave the road for misunderstanding, hate, and intolerance. 
what better way to desensitize the public from draconian laws and policies that stifle the progress of communities because they are usually portrayed in a negative light? In my experience, stereotypes of black Americans have had a long-lasting impact. When a person from another race and culture constantly sees the images of young black men and women who are loud, violent, and lawless, they tend to project that image onto the entire race. If they happen to run into one of those stereotypes live and in person, it confirms what they've been fed by the media. Meanwhile, there are droves of young black Americans graduating colleges, starting businesses, tending to their families, and defending this country. There are images that you don't see. Ten years later, the young child who watched these images on television becomes a police officer, attorney, or a judge. It would be hard to say that they don't carry these biases with them once they gain power. It can thwart their decision-making, like, was he reaching for a gun or was he reaching for his wallet? Things have improved, but there's still a long way to go. Jasmine Torres, Community and Education Engagement Coordinator for New Hampshire PBS, feels that small steps leads to bigger changes. She finds that it would be incredibly useful for media organizations to team up with Latinos and Latinas who express interest or show their work and who are looking to make the integral changes of equity in the media. Whenever I watch the news on immigration, I see images of people illegally sneaking into the country. But is that the only way that they get in? It's not often that I see images of groups of new immigrants being sworn in as American citizens with ear-to-ear -ear smiles and tears of joy. I don't see enough of the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the grand opening of the new Mexican restaurant in town. Nor do I hear the stories about the immigrant on the scaffold on the 50th floor of some ritzy building cleaning the windows with three children and a wife at home. What we see and hear matters. Who's telling the story makes the difference. Diversity at high levels in newsrooms and entertainment can help ensure the representation of an invested voice. Hitting the mark is much easier when you narrate your own story. With the help of local newsrooms, media outlets, community stakeholders, and politicians, I believe we can begin to turn the tides. I would love to see internships and outreach to underdeserved and underrepresented communities. Oscar Velasquez, CEO at First Generation Multimedia, believes that to represent the Latino community truly, they have to be conscious of the power they collectively have, and their reach should eventually touch newsrooms, production staff, and writers. Ultimately, I hope this issue opens eyes and brings unity amongst all of our residents. Having diversity doesn't mean wiping out others, and diversity should never be an intimidating topic, especially when what's being sought is simply fair and equitable representation. He who tells the narrative gets to set the narrative. This program was produced in collaboration with me, Anthony Payton, the Granite State News Collaborative, and the Marlin Fitzwater Center for Communication. You can read more of my work at collaborativenh.org and listen to more of these stories wherever you can get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the Common Ground Initiative. I'm Anthony Payton, and I hope to highlight the diversity of our communities with stories of people the average Granite Stater might not get to see or meet. The goal is to clarify misconceptions and find the thread that binds us all together as one New Hampshire community.
We are honored to have our guest with us, Ms. Daniela Ali. Hello, Danielle. Can you please tell our audience about yourself and what you do? Sure. First, thanks for having me, Anthony. Uh, really glad to be here with you. I am an editor and sometimes reporter at New Hampshire Public Radio, and I lead our Spanish news initiative, which is called Que Nuevo New Hampshire, which means what's new in New Hampshire. And I work with a team of two other people who help make that happen, and we provide news in Spanish three times a week and produced bilingual stories as well. So you might hear Gabby Lozada on the airwaves, or if you subscribe to our WhatsApp, you might be hearing her through an MP3 file on our WhatsApp. And I've been in New Hampshire for almost five years, I actually moved across the river to Vermont the first weekend of July. Hmm. So I guess I'm a Vermonter now, but still living in the Upper Valley. Wow, that's great. So as a Latina resident of New Hampshire, what did media diversity look like in your early years? And has there been any change? So I moved here in 2017. And I think there wasn't as much diversity in in terms of like media coverage. I think there were the coverage of festivals, other things like that. But in terms of having a sense of what day-to-day life was like for people or kind of issues that were front of mind for Latino residents across the state. I think that there was more that could could have been done in that area. And when I first started at NHPR in 2018 as a fellow, that was something that I was kind of attracted to in terms of reporting and who I wanted to be talking to. And even just like making sure that I was taking reporting trips to where there is a much larger Latino presence, which is in like Manchester and Nashua, kind of in the Southern tier Hmm. compared to like the upper Valley where I still live. It was, it's definitely, and I mean, right. That's also like a skill set that I have is like, Oh, I can talk to people in Spanish. People can, I can relate to them culturally, all these things like, you know, my parents immigrated here. Like there are just things that make it a little bit easier to also like earn people's trust in that way. Hmm. And that was something that, I cared about and that's like, oh, I have, I also have these, this like language skills that like, how can I use that to bring stories to the forefront that aren't really being told right now? And that was like something that I did a little bit of in 2018 and has definitely been like a core part of what we're trying to do with the Spanish News Initiative at, at NHPR. Wow, that's great. And that kind of leads into my next question, to which is why why is diversity in media important? Like, why do you see it in, as in being important? I think there are a lot of reasons for it. There's, of course, just being able to see someone who shares a similar background as you, just like living their life. And I think, or or being an expert in something or whatever it is, it's useful to have those examples for people who are from that community, but I also think it just helps kind of break, like media has the power and does create narratives around groups of people around certain places, right? Like the narrative around New Hampshire that we're just a like extremely white state and that kind of like erases the other people who live here. So I think it's important to recognize like, oh, like people, people like from diverse communities live rich and complicated lives and are also just like, I think that's important to just bring to the forefront is how it's not just when you think about the Latino community, it's not just like immigration and X, Y, or Z. It's like Mm -hmm. 
people are celebrating their grandmother's 102nd birthday. Like, what is that like? People like chair, you know, I think that's what's important about the stories that we have, what we can be much more aware of as reporters too, and just recognizing that like, when I think in particular too, for a public media institution, like New Hampshire Public Radio, right? Like we, as I said, we're a public media institution. So how are we actually representing like all of the public in our reporting, in who we talk to, in the like time that we spend with different communities? Mm-hmm. That's like doing the actual service that NPR laid out as its mission several decades ago is to really serve and reflect all of the public, not just certain segments of it, because that's like who's doing the reporting, you know, like I think that's that's like fundamental so that we can understand who's in our communities, what we're doing, what we care about, and that it's not just continuing to fall into the trap of like, oh, there's absolutely no diversity here in New Hampshire. It's like people are building their communities and finding ways to flourish and mm-hmm. like grow here too. And I think that's important to underscore. Right, definitely. And and how do you engage with your community? Yeah, I think like I think reporting wise, we try to be, you know, talking with people on WhatsApp. I think another thing that we're continuing to work on some more is just like in person stuff because that's like really valuable in the Latino Latinx community is just like in person conversations with people and how can you do that some more? So for me, I think I'm just trying to find more of those people here in the Upper Valley. I know for our reporter, Gabby, who lives in Manchester, that's just kind of like talking to people when she goes to different restaurants or cafes or other things like that and staying plugged in that way. Or when people write in with questions about, hey, I'm looking for an apartment or how do I sign up for English classes? Like being able to like be responsive and see kind of like what we do with KI as a way to like not just provide news, but also, you know, connect people with other things that are, that they might have questions about that are not always easily searchable or find easy to find um, if, you know, you don't have, if you're not quite like fluent in English just yet, but you're just still trying to get like situated here in New Hampshire. So that's one way. And I think too, honestly, like, so there's like a community here and then there's also just ways of, for me, staying connected to like my culture and my roots and like, frankly, like calling my parents, talking to them, um, asking them about their stories too, or just reading plenty of books in Spanish, listening to music in Spanish. There are just like other things like that, that because it's not super present or accessible here in the upper Valley are just things that I have to be like more thoughtful about as an individual. But I do really love going like down to Manchester or Nashua and, being there, like eating at Don Quixote or California Burrito or mm. other other spots like that. I, th- I mean, I think I could do a lot more, to be honest with you. And I think that's like a consistent challenge that I think kind of like exists internally for me is like, what does that connection and investment look like? Like on a personal level, not only professionally or like what, you know, as we're thinking about this new service that we provide, but as Daniela, the person, not just Daniela, the journalist, like what does that really entail? So yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Mm. Well, that's great. So do you have any upcoming events or important dates to share with our audience? We are hoping to have an event this fall 
date to be determined, but we are hoping to have an event this fall that will highlight a video series that our reporter Gabby Lozada has done, which are non-narrated and like first person videos of different people in the community. The series is called Visibles, which means visible in English. And we're hoping to have a viewing event and invite different people to come watch. And hopefully people who have participated in those videos can come as well. Maybe have a Q&A. One of the folks that we had talked with, Roy, who moved from Argentina to Concord, he used to be a tango singer there. And he said he'd love to come sing tango. So I think that'd be like a really fun event. So that's something that's in the works that we're hoping can come together for, for the fall. Great. Well, it was great to have you with us, Danielle, but I have one more question that isn't on the books. Sure, sure. So I access to everyone and I'm trying to ask. So you're hungry right now. You're about to go into your kitchen. Mm-hmm. It can either be a native dish from your native land or it can be something that you just found because you just mentioned my latest obsession, which is California burrito. Oh, gosh. I can't stop going there. So if you're making something, please tell us what the dish is what the and what the ingredients are. Oh, Wow. First, let me just say I'm glad you are also a California burrito fan. I love. <laughs> but, but let me ask you, what do you get there when you order? Like, what's your order at California burrito? Well, the, the, well, I went with my daughter recently, and we both got burritos. I get the mango pico de gallo with chicken, Spanish rice, black beans, lettuce, and um, all kinds of hot stuff. Mm. <laughs> so. I I like to get two pupusas, one that has everything. So that's the pork, bean, and cheese, mm. and then just a bean and cheese pupusa. And I think the sauce that they pair with it is really great. And then an agua horchata. And that for me, if, if I lived closer to California burrito and I had a bad day, that is what I would go eat. <laughs> That's what the order would be. <laughs> yeah. But in my kitchen, mm-hmm. I would want to make... Honestly, like a chicken soup the way my mom makes it, which is one another, speaking of another restaurant that I like in Manchester, which Don Quixote has a chicken soup that reminds me exactly of how my mom's tastes. So just be chicken, chicken broth, some carrots, potatoes, and some rice as well. I, And that would be it. That's another food that makes me feel really at home, really loved, mm. and... I can't seem to quite replicate how my mom makes it. So maybe she'd have to be in the kitchen with me making it. Mm. That's that's a dish that comes to mind. All right. That sounds really hearty and sounds really tasty. But thank you for um, joining us here at the uh, Common Ground Initiative. We welcome you back. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I appreciate it. This program was produced in collaboration with me, Anthony Payton, the Granite State News Collaborative, and the Marlin Fitzwater Center for Communication. You can read more of my work at collaborativenh.org and listen to more of these stories wherever you can get your favorite podcasts.